As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me and myself in the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, uh, week side podcast time. Jenny and I are back. Uh, I being Connor Orr, thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a shorter podcast today, but just talk about something that I think has been lurking in the background a little bit. Um, I was on a call uh, last week uh, for uh, the announcement of the new Hard Knocks. And uh, while it was fun, I think, to talk about, you know, um, Anthony Lynn saying that Melvin Ingram is going to be a breakout star and he's going to make us laugh uh, this uh, this offseason and he's going to be funny during training camp. There was that underbelly of uh, a lot of the questions that were fielded, I think, by the Hard Knocks people and that, you know, how the hell do we know any of this is happening? You know, uh, what degree of certainty does anybody have that um, training camp's going to start on time, that it's a good idea to have a film crew there? Um, you know, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's ethical questions about showing coronavirus testing and all that other stuff. But um, I don't know, Jenny. I mean, I, it just sort of sometimes the tea leaves sort of point you in a certain direction. I know before we started recording, um, we saw that the Giants had sent out an email to season ticket holders saying if you don't buy season tickets this year, that's fine. You can still get back in the line next year and, and hold your PSL and, and do all that kind of stuff. Baseball is struggling, and while a lot of that's labor-related, I mean, the camps had to close because of, uh, you know, COVID. Um, basketball is, uh, you know, on shaky ground right now. 
I don't know where our optimism is coming from uh, with football, and I'm a little bit worried that we're all just assuming this thing is gonna is gonna start. Um, and there's a second wave uh, potentially coming here. I don't know. I don't want to sound like a worry wart, which I've been accused of in the past. My uh, uh, I've, I've, people call me Chicken Little. They make fun of me and they call me Chicken Little, but. Um, <laughs> But I would say that, I don't know, I mean, this feels like not good, right? I mean, like, none of this feels like we're heading in the right direction for football to start on time. Yeah, I feel like the last week or so, there were a lot of troubling developments. And in the middle of that, the NFLPA's uh, medical director, Tom Mayer, wrote a statement that they published. It said, to all players, please be advised that it is our consensus medical opinion that in light of the increase in COVID-19 cases in certain states, that no player should be engaged in practicing together in private workouts. Our goal is to have all players and your families as healthy as possible in the coming months. And so as we've seen, this has been a common phenomenon across the country with small group workouts. There was a group of 49ers in the Nashville area. We obviously saw Tom Brady with a group in Tampa Bay, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Josh Allen, the list goes on. So players and teams had kind of been moving to this moderated offseason mo- model where the players kind of got together on their own. And now the union is saying to pull back on that. So... I think that the increase in several cases, as as Tom Mayer noted, and the on college campuses as athletes have returned, the uptick in cases there, small outbreaks. You know, I think there was some question of like what what would be the cause to kind of get a team to pull back because Alan Sills, the NFL's medical director, had said there will be positive cases, but the question is kind of containing those and making sure it doesn't spread. But now we have clumps of players, you know, more than a dozen college players testing positive for COVID, and that would be enough to shut things down. So I think we it was kind of a sobering reminder that there's still a lot of cases out in, in our country, and we're seeing this increase again and probably need to slow things down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that to me is... You know, we've um, we've talked a lot on this show about kind of how the NFL has felt. It's been important to just sort of plow ahead, um, you know, and to keep everything on schedule. I think that while there is, you know, some financial, you know, uh, reasons for doing that as well, they did sort of tout themselves as as this group of people that were helping everybody get through a hard time and and everything like that. But I I wonder when the real discussions are really going to happen and not only that but you know but are going to spill out into the public and i know that you know we the doctors are saying all this you know but when are you know when is everybody going to come to grips with this i mean that that to me is just sort of the hard thing to stomach is that uh, i don't know i i just always see the nfl kind of just going la 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 you know while the rest of the country is actually dealing with these problems head on you know How did they address that on the Hard Knocks call, Connor? Because obviously, from where we sit, media access during training camp is a big question mark right now. Who will be allowed at practice? How many reporters would you even be able to do a training camp trip, which is a staple of, you know, the national media summer, essentially. But Hard Knocks takes place in camp or not very far away from when they would start filming for that. 
Yeah. Um, you know, there was after the call, I did see, um, you know, uh, Buddy Baker, who's an agent who has represented guys like uh, Shaquille Griffin, um, you know, Doug Baldwin uh, was incensed at the idea of having hard knocks um, from an agent's perspective because he's saying, you know, that's another extra however many people uh, that are following these guys around with cameras and, you know, you're just making a bigger risk. Um, and on the call, I mean, the vibe just seemed like, well, we're taking our cue from the people that are, you know, from the powers that be, we're taking our cue from them and we're going to follow all the guidelines and the protocols. And it's like, but, but what are the guidelines? What are the protocols? You know, when is all this stuff uh, going to be decided? And has anybody else taken a look around at the rest of the world and said, oh, wow, the two or three states that tried to open up fully uh, are really getting hammered right now. And uh, we should probably be a little bit more concerned about this. And I don't know, I'm, I'm concerned about it for a lot of reasons. I'm concerned about it because I think that fans see this as a light at the end of a long tunnel, uh, you know, and I'm concerned that, um, you know, players, uh, their families, everybody. I mean, this is just, uh, this is not uh, a good thing, I think, to just continue to kick the can down the road. I mean, I would like to see Roger Goodell or somebody come out and acknowledge the fact that like, hey, this this is still going on here and let's start acting like it. Yeah. And I think what you just referenced there is really important, Connor, is that there's certainly players who will be in high risk groups, players who may have some kind of immunocompromisation, um, higher body weight is a risk factor. Uh, sleep apnea is often common in NFL players, especially ones who weigh more. So I think that one really important thing to keep in mind is that there's going to be groups of the NFL player population that are higher risk for COVID. So we're seeing, okay, well, there's positive tests and uh, it's because the increase of testing and most of these players are asymptomatic, but there's going to be players in the population who would not handle a positive test as well. They would have more symptoms and they could have complicating factors that put them more at risk. And then the other thing is players don't live alone. They have families, they have wives, partners, children, extended families. Some might have parents living with them. And so the idea that you could uh, contain the risk to them and their loved ones uh, when they're going to and from, you know, practice situation, a game situation, it's just not realistic. And the bubble model is not realistic for other reasons. I know that we the, the NBA, that's, the, you know, their approach. But so it just feels like there's not really a great situation. And I think uh, we're kind of thinking, we're, we're kind of feeling, okay, oh, things are calming down. Like the NFL league office, right? We saw you know, employees posting that they were headed back to work today because things seem a little bit more under control in New York. And so I think it's easy to say like, hey, we've been in our bubble. Everything looks like we're, we're returning to some normal aspects of life. But then you think about the reality of actually like playing football, a contact sport with teams from different parts of the country. And it's really hard to wrap your head around that, how that would work, which I think is what Sean McVay said on that Hard Knocks call, Connor, right? Yeah. So I think the the uh, context-free version of the quote um, looked a lot more damning, I think, than it actually was. What Sean McVay, I mean, what he was saying was in jest, but at the same time, I think was a real thought in that, you know, he just said, I don't know how we're going to do this. Uh, football was social distancing, you know, and uh, he said it more as a crack to um, Anthony Lynn, uh, the Chargers coach who was also on the call, but... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that sentiment is something that we've all felt. And uh, Les Snead, the Rams general manager, made a joke on the call that said, well, you know, have you ever seen uh, how they play football in the Big 12? They've been social distancing for the last like, <laughs> two or three years, ha, 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 um, because their linemen have really wide splits and, and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that what Sean McVay said perfectly captured everything. You know, it, it was just like... I don't know how we're going to do this. And I think that there was a little bit of honesty there. I mean, everybody had time to come up with a game plan and to come up with exercises and drills and all this stuff that you can do. But uh, the facilities aren't equipped to have people six feet apart in these meetings and, you know, all this stuff. And I, I think it's everybody is still digesting the overwhelming magnitude of this situation. And I just um, I don't know. I, I don't. It's not getting better. I mean, you know, you can, whatever your news source of choice is, you know, the New York Times has a handy graphic every day that says cases are rising in, ba 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 ba, and cases are falling in, ba 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 ba. Look at those and look at how many uh, states' cases are rising. And do those states have NFL teams? Yes, you know, and I, I don't know. So that's, uh, that's, I don't know. That's where we are right now. Yeah, there are definitely going to be some difficult ethical conversations, some difficult logistical conversations, uh, all of the above ahead. You know, my parents live in State College, Pennsylvania, and we were talking about this. You know, it's a pretty small, isolated community, you know, rural area, not a lot of through, through traffic, right? Um, you kind of have to pick going to State College to go there. Um, and the, the football players are returning to workouts and you know, I guess you can isolate, you know, for two weeks in a dorm. But then what happens like when the students come back? And I know this is a little tangential question that's not specifically related to the NFL, but they're planning to have classes in the fall. So what does that mean when 40,000 students come to campus and you can't really quarantine them all for two weeks, or at least there it doesn't seem to be a plan to do so. Um, and some live off campus, some live on campus, very different situations. And things can all go awry with one night out, right? So that's what I think is pretty scary about all of this is that, you know, you can have all these protocols in place, but people are still ha having lives away from the practice facility or away from school or whatever situation you're talking about. And you can't control people's activities. And then you just increase the chances that if we still have a... a the number of cases of COVID in our country, like if there's still enough active cases in our country that it can spread. Yeah. I, I think back to the beginning when all this started and, you know, we've talked on this show a lot about, um, how people's decision-making processes have changed over the years to the point now where it's all shamelessly about, um, you know, that effort to keep, that whatever you have good going right and you know what would have happened if we had sort of real leadership at any of the sports levels and you know credit to the nba certainly for recognizing it at the time um, that it happened they were maybe the entity that woke the world up to um, the seriousness of what was going on but i always wondered you know what the NFL could have done if they had taken this head start that they were given and applied, you know, some logic to it. Listen to the doctors who have been saying the same things that they've been saying, um, 
since this started, that there's going to be an uptick in cases, that when you open things up again, there's going to be problems, all this stuff. And, you know, I wonder what would have happened with uh, more of a clear-headed vision for all this, if that makes sense. You know, like, I wonder if we would have started this having had full confidence in all the medical professionals and then saying, okay, let's build our plan around this now. I mean, you know, would we have been more comfortable in saying, you know, there's just not going to be, uh, you know, football in, in 2020. Right, right. So no football in 2020 would certainly have been the safest outcome, right? I, I, I was a little jarring to hear Alan Sills a couple weeks ago say there will be positive tests. It's just about having a protocol in place to contain them. Because if you think about that, you think every positive test has a risk. And so who is, you know, you're just hoping that the person who gets the positive test doesn't happen to fall into an at-risk group. Um, and that they'll be healthy enough to recover, which might be the case for a certain number of, of people in the NFL. But there are older coaches, there's older club employees, as we mentioned before, there's players with increased risk factors. So um, I guess it's just wrapping your head around the fact that you're willingly participating in a sporting activity that will increase the risk before we've truly gotten uh, it under control in our country. And I think a lot of the conversation over the last couple months, like, to be fair, like, everything they said was true, right? This is evolving. We're gaining new information. We're developing protocols on the fly. And I think all of that's true. And I think for the doctors to commit to a plan in April would have been difficult because it's a moving target. But yes, to your point, Connor, the safest plan would be to say no sports this year, but then that has an economic impact and everyone wants to get back to sports and it's, you know, it's a distraction. And so I think they're trying to balance those two ends of it. Um, And also, you know, of course, like the financial side of it always wins out. Yeah. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. 
The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the Deflategate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in a daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, because you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what I would have done? I was thinking about this the other day. Like, what if in March everybody, you know, freaked out when they saw the news and Roger Goodell said, okay, uh, full-on Madden League uh, for 2020. Um, and, you know, we'll work out a financial settlement with the players um, and make sure they have, uh, you know, they're taken care of. And every team gets to go out and they get to find a, a Madden guy, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll do trades that cancel at the end of the season, you know, and void at the end of the season. And we'll make all these deals. And I think that would be like totally fascinating, like uh, how teams would operate in like a one year window, completely void of like long term consequences, you know, and just, uh, you know, not count for anything. You don't have a Super Bowl or anything, but have Dave Caldwell and Bill O'Brien um, and John Robinson all running like a virtual football team, football league. I, I would watch that. I don't know. This is the second time in like three weeks on the MMQB podcast feed that a video game discussion has broken out and I feel entirely <laughs> ill-equipped to participate, Connor. So I don't really have a lot of good feedback to that idea. 
Well, I mean, you can. I don't think you have to have ever played to know that basically, you know, Madden is just a simulation of real life, right? Right. Of a right, real okay. life game. So, you know, okay. you play play all the games. You can make trades. You can do the, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I I don't know. I mean, I, it would at least give us a little bit of a fix in two thousand. Two or 2003, I think, EA Sports came out with a supplementary football video game just called NFL Head Coach, where I don't think you played. You just called the plays and then watched what happened. So there was no action actually taking mm-hmm. place after you called it. I think there's a there's a in, certainly an interest in all the administrative portions of it. So Or, you know, choose a super fan and let him run the team for a year. Something. I don't know. But I think it's going to be better than, like, slamming this thing in uh, at the beginning of November when, you know, we're still not sure if we're ready and we're going to maybe get another clear window before flu season starts again. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, just something. It's a creative idea that would have at least given us a taste of, of NFL familiarity and let us follow the schedule and the season um, without, you know, I don't know, without all the gloominess that seems to have accompanied it. Well, Connor, if nothing else, you always provide out-of-the-box ideas. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get a little ribbon for you there. But um, but I think you, you just hit on an interesting point, too, is kind of what the timing is. And, you know, Albert Breer had reported that some in the NFL wanted to delay the start for a month. But we've also seen other sports leagues say we want to wrap it up before there would be a second wave in the winter when things might be worse. I don't I haven't read the studies clearly and I don't want to misspeak on any of the science but there were some indications that the cases right now weren't as bad whether that's the virus is less virulent or people are being exposed to lower concentrations of the virus because people are outside I'm not sure everything but of one thing you know everyone seems to agree on is that being inside is worse than outside and it's a lot easier to be outside in the summer so there is some concern i think you know let's say you were to push the the start of the season back a little bit then you're ensuring that you're having more of the games or practices in this risk time period it's also going to be interesting to see the interplay between the league and the union on this because this is where college football players don't have the benefit of a union to bargain over their working conditions and to protect their rights. And we've seen them come together on their own and take some of that power. We certainly saw that a group of UCLA players coming together and, but they don't have a formalized structure in place to do that where the NFL, they have the union. And that's why I thought Tom Mayer's statement was really notable, basically saying like, roll it back. Like players don't have these small workouts. And I think to me, that might've been the, the biggest alarm bell, Connor, because here's a medical professional who's advising the union on strategy who's working with the NFL on strategy and in June is saying that small groups of player workouts are not a good idea and that to me was probably the most troubling development in terms of the progress toward a season yeah it's uh it's hard for me to believe that you know training camp theoretically is a month away Right. I mean, uh, you know, a month and a half away. Right. Right. Um, right. Somewhere you know, in there. And, you know, a lot changes, certainly day to day. I mean, you know, we were 
um, maybe go back two weeks, we were much more optimistic about the pace of the coronavirus than we were uh, two months before that. And so in that time period, a lot can change and shift. But at the same time, uh, it's it's jarring to think that, you know, even these little workouts, like you said, are breeding ground for passing this around. We still don't have a vaccine. It's just like, I don't know. I, um, I don't know why, um, we haven't, and, and, you know, it could be an emotional thing. I mean, you know, Roger Goodell has mentioned this time after time and, but, you know, I just, uh, I don't understand why we can't just come out and, and admit what we already know about this virus, you know what I mean? It, it, and, and, and it's in its impact. I mean, we still have not had baseball and baseball is so much more desperate than football, um, uh, to, uh, rekindling with viewership, uh, you know, trying to get back into the national conversation as America's game, whatever you want to say. And, and they're still not even close to returning to the field. And again, we mentioned before, some of that is, is labor, you know, union negotiating related, but I, I don't know, just look at, you know, bars in Ireland. I don't think are still open yet. Uh, you know, so it's like, uh, what, um, I don't know, what are we waiting for before we just say, Hey guys, you know, this is a, a tough one. And, uh, but we're going to have to make this call at some point. Yeah. And it's weird to hear, you know, coaches being asked the questions and try to weigh in the best they can without actually knowing. Like I saw John Harbaugh had a, a, a Zoom call earlier today on Monday, and he said that he's very hopeful that training camp and the NFL season will be on track. Um, and he said he doesn't think the NFL is going to run for cover. Um, but right. What, what are your choices here? You know, what's what? you know, it's not a question of choosing to run for cover or not. It's a question of what's safe or not. And so I think it's also hard for people to weigh in because they don't exactly uh, know for sure what will make sense, what is going to make sense. I've been wondering about, you know, our role in all this. Um, You know, we've said earlier in um, a couple episodes ago that I would highly doubt that any of us interview a player in person this year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that seems highly unlikely. Um, I saw a couple of our colleagues had covered the Belmont Stakes um, from the press conference, uh, from the press box area. Um, But, uh, you know, the stars of that sport are horses so you know there's really not like a lot we can learn uh from that process but you know i don't know it's i think it's going to fundamentally you know change everything and i think that the sooner that we prepare for uh, a season that is either non-existent or far different than we expected it to be i think the better it's going to be i think just pushing the that you know, keeping that carrot at the end of the string and saying, I know we're going to have football. I know we're going to have football on September, you know, whatever. It's just not, I think, healthy or realistic for anybody right now. There's And there's so many people at stake. You know, I did a story a couple months ago on all the NFL super fans um, that, you know, their identities are wrapped around being at these games every Sunday. Um, and... I think the mental aspect of that, and it's not just them, the super fans, it's everybody. There are people that I've talked to that that's when they see their families every week or whatever it is that uh, congregating at this stadium means to you. That's your way to release uh, your energy after a stressful work week, whatever it is. I mean, 
allowing people to think that that is still going to happen and that we're going to be here for you is ludicrous and irresponsible in my mind. I mean, it's just not, it's not a, it's not the smart or right thing to do. And I thought that's why the Giants approach, I think, is a really good one. Yeah. I don't know how many teams are following suit. I certainly know there are others who are not following suit. And I've talked to season ticket holders who have felt stressed about their ability to make the payments. A lot of people are out of work, but you have had seats for X number of years, and they're really good seats, and you don't want to give them up, right? And so I think the policy of just being able to give them up for 2020 and then pick up in 2021 as if that never happened. I think that's a really great one, right? You give the tickets back. Um, you're not asking people to make a financial commitment. That would be an extra strain. But you're also and you're also honoring the fact that they may have been a longtime supporter of the team, but just can't make the payment this year in a global pandemic that is unlike anything we've seen. So uh, I think that was a really good move. And I hope other teams mirror that, Connor. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Would you um Let's say uh, the uh, NFL gave us a keys to a, a virtual franchise for the 2020 season. Would you like to like we could run a team together? I think that would be fun. Maybe we should build a simulation. I like that. Uh, I think there's somebody. Um, I'm an Orioles fan. I like uh, the Baltimore Orioles, um, and uh, there are people who are actively simulating. Uh, the baseball season as if it were taking place um, on normal. And, uh, you know, I saw the tweet before I started the show that they had uh, beat the Yankees last night. And, you know, it's weird, like that small little just like little pop of like, oh, nice that you get from that, um, even though it's, uh, you know, it's not real and it's in a computer and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, I'm hoping that somebody gets fun and creative with uh, this because I do think that... Uh, I don't know. As I'm sitting here right now, Monday, 2.40 p.m., June 22nd, uh, do I think that we're going to be covering kickoff the second week of September? No way. Zero chance. Mm -hmm. Like I, And I feel, you know, that's just me saying that from what I feel in my heart right now, but I, I think there's a 0% chance that's happening. I, I, I feel skeptical as well. I, I'm also not sure that we'll attend a game in 2020. If True. there are games, I am not sure that we'll be permitted. I know they're working on protocols to open up the press box to a certain number of people and have everyone distance, but what would that look like? And then, you know, we know how post games are, Connor. It's very cramped. The press conference room is cramped. The locker room. We will not be in the locker room in 2020. That much is certain. There's no way that any media availability will go on inside a locker room. And I agree, Connor. It's unlikely that we would interview somebody in person unless it was like a one-on-one -on -one setting in a socially distanced way, you know, for something special, I think. But, um, yeah, it's it's – for all aspects related to the NFL, all jobs related to the NFL in any capacity, it's really hard to wrap your head around what you know your job or your life would look like three months from now. That's why I write about video games now. That's my new. Uh, that's my I new like job. it. It's a good uh, beat. It's, it's resistant to the pandemic. So <laughs> really, I mean, you're leaning in at a good time, Connor. I yeah, you know, uh, you know, it, well, you know, what what are you gonna do? Um, I. Um, I think back to, you know, uh, some of the more crowded press boxes that we've covered games in together. Uh, Baltimore comes to Baltimore. mind. Baltimore. Oh, my gosh. Baltimore uh, in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs when they lost. I was literally touching shoulders to the people next to me. Charlotte Wilder was on one side. John Crick, who works in Toronto, was on the other. We were literally touching shoulders because everyone was so jammed in. 
And then the year before that, uh, when they lost to the Chargers, I think we were next to each other and similarly cramped. Um, our routine, you know, uh, on the Jets beat together, would be to watch the end of Face the Nation every Sunday. Right, and right. then when it turns over to the CBS pregame, uh, oh, just all cramped together and you're, you're hoping that your notes don't spill over and take up too much of anybody else's space. Different world now. I mean, mm-hmm. our, uh, our, our routines are going to be different. We're going to have to find a way to uh, socially, uh, virtually simulate the, um, the experience. I'll get a bad cup of coffee and I'll Zoom you during uh, <laughs> NFL Sunday, I think, if, if uh, God willing, it happens. So. Some greasy halftime food. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to uh, make, make your apartment freezing cold. A lot of press boxes are freezing cold, which, which makes sense in fairness because there's a lot of like equipment and it can't overheat. But uh Giants, Jets, MetLife Stadium, notoriously cold. I'm going to have, I think, you know, your body, you know, your brain relies on patterns uh, or so I'm told. And, you know, I can just imagine that first Sunday morning of NFL season, just that craving for um, like uh, continental breakfast, eggs and sausage and, you know, and bagels like you get at at the press box in the morning. And you're just like, I don't know, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to plan ahead, you know, right. there's another, there's another wave of this and the grocery stores become combative again. I'm going to have to get out there and I'm going to have to get my powdered eggs and I'm going to have to get my <laughs> breakfast sausage and, you know, just, I'm going to have to be prepared for this because I'm, you know, I'm not prepared for that. So I don't know. It's always the powdered eggs. Always. You've, you know what though? I found that, um, and we're really off the rails here, but that's okay. Um, I think people need to hear something. We're freestyling. Other than, yeah. Some Monday or Tuesday, I guess, entertainment. Um, is that the best way to mask powdered eggs in general? Um, my friend taught me this. It, he, it was made at a, as a breakfast sandwich at a place where he used to live in Boston. And you put the cream cheese on both sides of the bagel and then you smash in whatever eggs and breakfast meat you can get. And the cream cheese actually surprisingly like works well with everything. You don't, it adds like a sturdiness to the unsturdy powdered eggs and you kind of feel like it's more of a, I don't know, more of a palatable sandwich or more of a palatable dish. I don't know. So. Connor, that sounds terrible. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> Cream cheese and powdered eggs. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something I'd like to eat for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> uh, are you? Um, uh, while we're on the subject, and uh, since our our reader, our listeners do seem to to care deeply, I, do you have any good um, any good quarantine uh, dinners either? Uh, takeout or something you're going to create in your house um, uh, that's going that you're looking forward to. Um, good question. Um, my best meal in the last week or so is just a taco night. That was a mm. good one. Um, but I don't have anything planned. I made brownies last night, but I'm. Ooh. I mean, I'm kind of cycling through all the same meals. I don't know how you are, Connor. I mean, I know some restaurants are opening up, but I haven't really ordered in, so I've just been cooking at home, and I, I've. I've had roasted carrots more times than I can count during quarantine. <laughs> a lot of beta carotene, right? Or whatever right, it is. So right. that's great. Um, I'm going to make, I think, I, I think I'm going to make like a, like a marinated flank steak. 
Um, our neighbors uh, are, have been talking a lot. We, we've done some social distance barbecuing where we'll kind of all make something and we'll bring it to a, t- a table that's in the middle of the three houses and then everyone can take their turns kind of getting the food and, and then going to their own like corner where we can shout at each other. And, uh, you know, uh, so, but I think I'm going to really, um, really try to up my game. You know, I did uh, like a marinated chicken, but it was a bottled marinade. And so like, I think I'm going to really go for it, um, with like some sort of a marinated flank steak. And then I'm going to make some, you know, get some cilantro and some jalapenos and, and make like a, make your own taco station. I think, um, Sounds great. You know, yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, anything I think you know if, if I can get amped up about like a dinner at the beginning of, of on like Saturday on Monday I think I'm doing a good job you know that sounds yeah that sounds really yummy Connor you're really up, upping uh, my lame taco night which was like ground turkey almond flour tortillas you know pretty lame and boring also the downside of like living alone is that like whatever I make I have to eat for four days essentially <laughs> so that's been a really unfortunate like part of I mean it's an important unfortunate part of cooking for one anyway but like I just get sick of meals because I add so I just had four straight nights of asparagus roasted chicken and uh roasted carrots so I'm looking on to the next thing right now <laughs> we're on we're on to uh we're on to roasted cauliflower as Bill Belichick might <laughs> right. say um, that's right Connor <laughs> well, that's a good note to end it on I that's think that's right Absolutely. And and we'll get back to some more mailbags later this summer. So we've been seeing the messages come in at weeksidepod at gmail.com. So please continue to drop us a note there. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Vrentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Marivic is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb travelling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season 4 of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me, myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 